Yes, yes, yes. What's going on, everybody? This is MC Till with Everybody's Hip Hop Label. You are tuned into the Boom Bap Chat. We're at number 18. Very excited. Uh, if you need some dope music, hip hop, otherwise, go to everybody'srecords.com and buy some. Shout out to our unofficial sponsors, Everybody's Records. And we're going to be talking about books tonight. And just to let you know, if you need to know some dope Boom Bap hip hop music, you can get this on Amazon. It's the Boom Bap Review. Uh, volume 1, 2019, we're working on 2020, so that'll be coming uh, in a few months. Tonight, very, very excited. I'm personally thrilled. Uh, we have an MC that I've been following uh, for a long time. And uh, to me, one of the best lyricists, and there's there's nothing after that. One of the best <laughs> lyricists, period, ever. Uh, we have no other than Wordsworth. Wordsworth, welcome, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing pretty well. What's going on? How y'all doing? Uh, man, doing doing very well. Thank you for taking time uh, to be with us tonight. I really appreciate it. I wanted to be on a couple weeks ago, but you lined up. You got it. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're trying to be, you know, official over here. And yeah, but it worked work out. out. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So we'd like to jump right into the hip hop question because this is a boom bap chat all about hip hop. Can you tell us a time that, um, you know, hip hop really spoke to you like an early memory of when hip hop just like really captured you? Um, I would say that had to be when like watching my my cousin, I got an older cousin, Elliot, would freestyle a lot. My my sister, she would be dancing a lot. So it was really more so the elements that were you were able to do without having money. Mm. Right? <laughs> because hip hop, you could you could go outside, you can break dance on a cardboard, you could bang on a car, rap, you could beatbox. That's why I think hip hop is so um, you know, important and how it grew up so big because the fact that you really didn't need much. Banging on the elevator door while going up and downstairs with rapping, being on a stairwell, somebody rapping, banging, you know. So that was the that was the real times that it, it really spoke to me and, and kind of resonated just off the faith off the basis that you don't need much to do it. Um, and then I started getting into of course like the Run DMC and, mm. and stuff like that. And one of my favorite records was like Here We Go, you know, and mm -hmm. Big B drum that drum and just Run, you know, Run was like the king back then, and, and you know, yeah. so that's that's what really got me into it though. But it was like family members first. That's dope. And do you remember when you, it went from like, oh, this is dope, I really like this, to, you know, a feeling of like, oh, I, I, this is what is going to, my life is going to be about this? Um, when I can say like my life is going to be about this, I would say more around like maybe like middle school, a little bit around okay. then, because then um, I was writing more because I learned about writing. Because earlier when I was younger, I didn't know anything about writing around. I didn't even think you wrote rhymes because it was so, um, today we see the process of everything. Back then you watch the screen and you was like, I want to be doing that. And then you go outside and see people doing it. So the middle process was even there to, to see. So I thought everything was freestyle. Mm. Then when I got a little older and found out that people were writing rhymes and you start seeing people having papers and in the booth mm. rhyming, I was like, oh, they write these? So then I started writing them more towards middle school. But I would say um, around high school is when it got more serious. And I was like, oh, all right, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm able to, I'm, I'm going to try to pursue this. Oh, dope, dope. Did you connect with other artists, uh, other peers, and like form rap groups before? Yeah, you, you... <laughs> yeah. Um, I... 
So I met I met my boy, uh, my boy Sono. His name is Kareem, and we both had a last name. So when he came to 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 join the school at that time, he transferred in. He had to sit behind me in the gym because of my <laughs> names. I got Johnson. He's Johnson. Right. So lo and behold, the next day it was like a substitute or something like that, and. We we were it's for gym, so we all we're all in the classroom and somebody started banging on tables and we started rapping and that's how me and him clicked. Mm-hmm. And which he lived on the lower east side and that's how I met Punch. And then that's how it uh-huh. went on like that. So that's how it all connected. And him, him, Punch, and another guy named Flo, my boy Earn, they all was in a group like called like the Incognatives. So <laughs> that's, that's what that was. And um so then I was hanging on the lower east side a lot during my high school years, I, I was up there like, I mean, every day after school. Mm-hmm. And, and that was kind of the how we formed that whole thing. So then when Sono left to go to college, it, it, me and Punch stayed as, as mm. partners and that's how you got um, track masters. We were around them too at that time. Reha Lovatone actually wound up having an opportunity to promote his album on Stretching Bobito and brought us mm. up. And wow. that, that is pretty much what made us kind of well known throughout the city because a uh, freestyle on there. So I was at a uh, like a thrift shop mm-hmm. and uh, always looking for records and CDs. Right. And I came I came across this joint. I I had never even seen this. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I, I knew it existed, but I just <laughs> never seen it before. I was like, whoa! What what year? What we around? What year was this? Do you remember? Yeah. For those that can't see, this is Punchline and Wordsworth. I don't there wasn't even a title to it, was it? No, it wasn't. That was it right there. That was 2000. 2000, okay. Yeah. Had you put out stuff before that with Punchline? Nope, nope. I don't I don't recall us. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. We did the Lyricist Lounge album. Oh, that was before. Okay, I was thinking that was after. Okay. Lounge album is, is before that. It's actually before, okay. years before that. We were on the Tropical Quest album. We was on the Black Star projects. All of that is before that. Oh, that's true. That's right. That's late nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all of that was before that. So how did how did you go from you know just just hanging out, doing your thing, perfecting your craft, to getting in the studio, and laying um, down some stuff? Yeah. So then we had we had a, another mutual um, producer named Kurt Gowdy, which was part of Trackmaster. Mm-hmm. Too. He actually did a lot of the firm stuff. He did Nas Shooter, he did Noriega's www.nori. He did a lot of that. And he kind of took us under the wing as far as producing a project. So that's how we ended up going in the studio and just like working on different songs and demos and stuff like that. Um, so that that's that's how that project came about pretty much. But prior, prior to that, we had did uh, Tramps, which was like a Lyricist Lounge night, but a club yep. tramp. And um, Q-Tip hosted, and he saw me a punch perform, and that's he he called the office uh, about yo them two them two dudes are dope. So then from then it's how we ended up on the uh, Love Movement album, and so on and so forth. Dope. I I want to get into that album later on uh, tonight. A dope album. And then how did the connection happen with uh, the Black Star album? That's really just being in the same circle. Just running right. around New York, everybody trying to get on, and us all having like notoriety from being at all open mics from SOBs, you know, Joe's Pub, New Yorkian, all of us having all these, uh, going to all these different functions. We just knew each other right then and there from yeah. that. Um, so it just was like mutual friends and stuff like that. 
So that's how that happened. Dope, dope. And then what was it like um, from, you know, doing some stuff with Punchline, doing these, you know, features to actually then doing your, what I would think is your first full length album, the Mirror Music album. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty, for me, it was pretty natural because mm -hmm. I, I met, I was already rapping before I met them. So okay. it, it was already instilled in me to kind of just do my own thing, regardless if I'm in a group or not. So after doing like the EP, so on and so forth, it just, me and him had two different I, ideas of what we wanted to do. So I just um, kept pursuing doing music and then I put out a single called uh, On Your Feet with the Beat Miners mm -hmm. and, and had that way on the, on the B side. And the B side actually took off and would get, I would say maybe more spins because the relevant of the, the topic it was about like baby mama drama in a way. <laughs> um, so that one kind of helped people prepare for what kind of album I would prepare because at that time, you know, Backpacker and all that, you mm -hmm. can't songs. It was like, it was it was a bad deal back then if you ain't make a good record or whatever. So right. I kind of understood the process. So what I did is kind of, um, if people li listen to a lot of the um, songs I kind of did, like features back then, when people would just rhyme on a song, I would do like a story. Mm. So I started doing my features, but putting the verses as stories, so that way people would get familiar with me as a storyteller. Mm -hmm. So I planted those seeds because I knew I needed to get out of that box. Right. So that okay. was, yeah. So then by the time the album came out, it was more Harold as uh, me as a storyteller artist. And that's kind of what I kept with me from then. Do you feel like people pigeonholed you into that like freestyle, freestyler artist uh, and, and not a storyteller? I think some some do, uh, but then for the most part, most most of the people that hear my music, they they see both. Mm. If I'm to a show, you're gonna see both because I do yeah. both. I do the, the freestyler and I do the songs. But I think more so now it's more the storyteller. The storyteller aspect of it has kind of like overshadowed that, and I, I'm very strategic about that as well. So like my albums, it's gonna probably have like one song, maybe two at the most with me bragging. Other than that, right. the song is, is a story. Right. So, you know, you're not really going to be listening to my music unless you want to hear something about a topic. Is that the fact that you're really into storytelling? Is that what attracted you to Master Ace or did you all connect in a different way? Because he's always, you know, painting and, stories. Well, how me and Ace got, got up is that me and Punch EP came out on a label called Mona Hip Hop. And mm -hmm. Mona Hip Hop was JF. At that same time, Ace was putting out a single for Strict called The Booth. Okay. He produced that and it was coming out through Mona Hip Hop too. So Ace was working on his project. He he heard us rapping and he was like, yo, them guys are kind of dope. Yo, you know, put I want them on my album. So then, you know, it's like, oh, we're, uh, wow, this is crazy. I'm going to be on his album. This is kind of wild. They get that invite to be on his album. So then that's how we ended up doing block episode. So it was really just uh, the fact that JF was putting out records from us and then also Strict. That's how we all met each other. So, so you've put out several albums uh, over the last. Is everybody frozen up? Or is it just him? Is it just him? Uh just till it's frozen up. 
It's frozen up. Audio. What's up? Can you can you hear me? I hear you, elementary. What's up? Yeah, I think he's I think he's just frozen up. I think he'll try back in. I hear words or something like that. Yeah, I think I think the question he was asking you was uh in regards to the other projects you've released since since the uh, uh since the first record, I think is what he was asking. Yeah, I was project. just saying, is there a project that was, you know, the, the most fun or the one that you enjoyed doing the most? Um, I would say, like, I always enjoy doing the EMC projects because mm. it's all of us, right? And then the fact that we're going to go tour with it. So I love the fact that we we pretty much, we tour, we, we're on a road for maybe like a month together overseas. So I always love doing those projects, knowing that we're going to hang out and be on the road together. As far as like doing uh, my solo projects, I would probably say um, all these projects that I've done currently that deal with one producer. Mm-hmm. But it's just me and that person vibing on what to put together. Um, you know, I, I've done two albums, two of my solos, you know, Mirror Music and their photo album. That's a compilation of different producers. Right. And sometimes that's like, you don't know what you're gonna get as far as like some people don't got don't can't find the beat they lost the waves <laughs> or, <laughs> or lost the disc or whatever they right. so um some people don't have their paperwork stuff together they don't got a uh you know a bmi or like they don't right. know it so it's just a lot more uh pieces to the puzzle you got to put together to bring the picture together um yeah. I, I enjoy doing it with one-on-one with the um, producer because me and them could just vibe. They send a beat, it's yay and nay, and then we just move on to the next situation and then get it done. And it's, it's way less hassle. Yeah, and I think sonically, it it tends to tell a story, you know, from a sonic point of view that in a way that getting a, a bunch of different producers doesn't always tell a story, you know? Yeah, and then, and then every producer, if you, all the producers out there know they want to mix their record, you know, or, right. you know, then they got their kick got to sound like this. <laughs> this person's kick don't sound like that. Or, right. or now you got variations of mixes on there if you don't got yeah. one mix in the whole project. So now you got all these different mixes. So sonically, it sounds way better when it's just one, one producer for the most yeah. part. Unless you have one person mix the entire project. And then that's a whole ordeal because then you got some producers that I gotta sit there. I gotta be in there when you're mixing it. It's it gets it gets kind of crazy. Is there a producer that you would really like to do an album with? Yeah, you know, I would like to do one with Apollo Brown. That'd be dope. Um, uh, is it at? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Nah, I mean we we haven't spoken about it, but That's what I, I was gonna ask. I, other people say that too to me, like, "Yo, you and Apollo Brown." Um, my boy Irv Ford. He did uh, knock on my door on my, one of my projects. He also is rapping and doing his own thing. Me and him got some songs together. Um, the Roots. I would love that. Like, whole, whole project with The Roots. You know, live. That would be dope. Very wild. I, you know, go crazy on that. Um, but I'm always just like looking for mm-hmm. different producers. Um, I got a project right now that I'm working on with Kells with The Heat from the UK. He gave me mm-hmm. a lot of points. Um, and then right now working on a, a album with me and Superstition together. Got a whole album. Oh, dope. And um, but it's it's mixed producers. He got he okay. produced he produced some of it and then we got other producers. Um, and then Hezekiah, you know, I got 
I'm working on a project with Hezekiah. I got a couple of records done with him already. So I'm I in feel the, that's what's up. I'm in the loop, man. I'm in the loop. If if I like enough of the beats, then I'm mm -hmm. rock with it. Did you uh, did you once say that you have stuff with Theory Has It? I got some with Theory Has It. Yep. Okay. I got some. Um, I got I got a couple with him. Um, they sitting here, man, because the way to release them is just like I just don't want to throw stuff out. Yeah. I, like just to throw it out, but um, one of my favorite songs I've done, he he produced. I have it here. It'll probably oh, man. one of the, It'll probably be on one of the next upcoming projects. But there's a it's it's like a two joints that I have here, man, that I've been holding on, but you know. When it's time, it's time. That's dope. He, I think he's one of the illest producers that I'm a lot of people have never heard of. You know, you know what? And then I just was talking to YU. Oh, he's so dope. YU, and I think him and Theory are doing something. I don't know if what? I'm but um, he was playing stuff. Actually, he was playing stuff on, on IG. And I'm not sure who did this beat. I think Theory did this beat. I'm actually right into it now. Nice. So that's another one there. You know, so I'm all dope. over that, man. That's dope. That's great to hear. Great to hear that you have such great stuff coming up. So, so I want to jump into this book. Uh, that's is it. Is it at number one yet in poetry? Number nine, man. Ah, number, number nine. nine. Come on, we got to get it up to number one. Man. Go get the book. You know, yes. go get this. Book. There it is. Boom. All right. And so it, yeah, man. It's at number nine in um, new release poetry books on Amazon. So, you know, they have a top 100 and I'm number nine, man. So let's get good. one. And then I think if it gets out of that, it goes into like new releases and bestseller, yeah. you know, whatever it got to get to. But even if it's at number nine where it is now, that's huge for me. Yeah. I mean, it's huge, you know. Yeah. So um, I'm excited. I, I thank everybody that supported it because, I mean, people are coming out the woodworks with supporting <laughs> it. And um, I mean, I can't thank them enough. I really can't because it got, I think it also um, brought a new audience to me, but also people were able to kind of really see how meticulous the writing aspect of yeah. it is and appreciate it from a reading reading point of view. Cause I, I'm sure there's people that bought the book that never heard my music. Right. But I'm cool with that. Cause I would, I would prefer it to bring you to the music or the music bring you to the book. So mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. So um, yeah, man. So if you're listening and you can't see um, what's going on, the book is What Words Are Worth, uh, Volume 1, The Beginning. Uh, and before we get into details from the book, I'm curious to know, like, wh what, was, what was your thought process behind even writing the book? Like, how'd the idea come to you? I was sitting on the phone with my, with my boy, General Vega. We just catching up talking. And I was like, man, this pandemic, man, it's a lot of time, man. Got to come out with, you got to do something in this pandemic, like on the basis of we got to use this time to become, to be, become stronger or whatever. So mm -hmm. I'm sitting there and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm on the phone. Like, man, I'm about to write a book, man. I was like, the book is already practically written because the album is written. So I, I kind of feel like all my albums are books anyway. So I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go write this book. And I started at like the end of March. Mm -hmm. And then it took me about a month and maybe a month and a half. And then um, that was it. I chose that album though, because that album was my shortest album. So wow. I, felt like, I felt like, let me, let me rev up to this. Let me not just, yeah. 
put myself in a bad situation, pick, pick the biggest album and I'm up there like, so I said, I'll, I'll choose the shortest album, knock it out. If it's effective, now I have the strategy on how to do it. So now yeah. the next one, I'm good, I'm golden because I did this one. So that's, it's strategy, man. I was curious to know why you picked uh, New Beginning. So, so it's volume one, which makes me think there's going to be a volume two. I plan on doing every album. Every album. So, and even going to past albums. Yeah, yeah. I plan on doing every album. Every, every solo album that I have. That's great. I love it. Because I, you know, I forget who wrote it. Adam Coleman, maybe. Someone wrote like this extended liner notebook mm -hmm. um, where he went and like from older albums in hip hop. So like he went and interviewed artists and like, basically wrote a chapter on each album. It was kind of like extended liner notes. Right. And uh, I love, what I love about this book is like, you know, as someone that used to, you know, open up the packaging to the CD and take the inserts out, hope the lyrics were in there and, you know, stuff about <laughs> that. Like, that's what this is. Like this book is like a super extended liner note, you know, it's like kind of takes you into the, into your mind even more. So it's, it's super dope. Um, yeah. I thought you, it was necessary to do that because, you know, you get a bar from me and it's effective, but when we listen to lyrics, we'd be like, oh, that was hot. And then we just keep it moving. You yeah, know right. Like, we know it's hot. We know why it's hot, but we don't know the bigger picture of why it's so effective to us. Yeah. You know, it's, it's actually, with the bars, you kind of get the, the micro and with the book, you get the macro. Mm. That's a good way to put it. So when you started writing, you were uh, posting about it on social media. Right. Like you'd post a little excerpts about it and talk about it. Was there uh, some reasoning behind why you were posting about it? Definitely accountability, right? Okay. If I throw it out there at y'all, now I gotta do it. Yeah. Right? So I, I felt like y'all was, every time I posted something, the feedback I got from, from people, it made me wanna finish. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it was really keeping people up to date with it. So that way I felt I felt more compelled to finish it. And I kind of yeah. I kind of said that on my IG the other day, like find a partner. Yeah. Find somebody. We got a lot of stuff that we want to finish, but when it's just you by yourself kind of trying to keep yourself revved up, it's like some days you on it, some days you feel right. it, some days you fall off. Um I kind of internally in me is I'm I'm gonna finish it anyway. But it's it's always good to have people holding you accountable. You yeah. know, I think the people asking for it push me even more. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, opening up the process to people is also a really good way to keep, you know, fans and people that, you know, like your work engaged. Right. You know? And I, th I thought it was an excellent way to even promote the book by yeah. not really promoting it, <laughs> but just talking about it. Yeah. In, a, in a very authentic way. Like you weren't telling people, yo, got to go buy this when it comes out and blah, blah, blah. Like you were just telling people like, I'm working on this. This is where I'm at. And like people that dig it, you know, followed along. It's like, yeah, keep going. This is great. You know, so. Right. It was, it was, it's like, keep going. Um, can't wait to read it. Um, and then also with social media, it's such a quick situation, right? You, you yep. put a post there, 30 people see it. Then you might put another post, three, 300 people see it, put another post. I didn't even know you was working on a book. It's not, right, it's not, right, exactly. I've been posting this for like past two weeks. So um, 
I just wanted to stay on top of it also because of the time we're in. I felt like even just saying good morning to people had people yeah. excited about this, you know, me saying good morning, I think resonates. When people say good morning, it's, it's something to it, you know? It, it's a simple thing, but and you, you would always put that extra question in there, good morning, and then like, what are you working on? Or, what are you or doing? What are you, yeah, what are you doing? Right. And it was fascinating to see people respond to that. It's such a simple question, but you know, yeah, man. the answers are so varied. Because, because honestly, I, I care about what other people are doing. Right. You yeah, know, it shows. On, the basis, on the basis of uh, what are you doing, man? I'm at work and, you know, I'm tired, about to go to sleep. I don't know, boss getting on my nerves. I may be able to share some insight on that. Like, man, just stick it out a few more right. hours, right? Because sometimes people need that extra pep in their step. So, that's why I really ask, like, what are you doing? Where you at? Yeah. What you up to? Right. And it, it may even be something that I could say, oh, you working on that? You should check this out. Right. So yeah. I, I, I really like, I like being accessible to an extent, you know, yeah. if, it, if it's um, to motivate people, because I, like I said the other day, I get motivated by others. Right. So, right. you know, you come, you came out with the book. I didn't even have the book in mind, but me seeing the book, also inspired me to write a book though. Mm, I, told, I, told, I told Thurston and he, his book inspired me to write a book. Mm. It took time to figure out what was my approach to doing it. So that's yeah. my only thing, right? Like I want to do a lot of things, but I got to make sure if I'm going to do it, it's something in, in regards to, I feel it's going to be special. Yeah, that's dope. So, so jumping into the book, uh, the fir first chapter, New Beginning, you get into freestyling and you say, the significance of freestyling gets lost, um, not realizing that the joy of freestyling is not in the execution, it's in the effort. This is why people smile before they begin or when they hear a word from someone else. Um, you talk about fearlessness, vulnerability, uh, and freestyling. Obviously, you you are a, a master freestyler. What like how did you start getting into freestyling? And you, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but yeah. Um, Kind of what what were like some of the things that made you like an exceptional freestyler? Because there's freestylers that you know, just having fun, they rap. But they're not that good, <laughs> you know. But it's great, it's good. But you know, there's cats like you that like, wow, it's like you're freestyling off the cuff, but it's it's an incredible, you know. Like what helped you get to that that place of excellent freestyling? Um, really, just practice, and I think like early on, no, not knowing that people were writing, I kind of started training my brain young. It's almost like when you're a baby or a kid and you learn in a second language, you're not thinking about it. So when I was young, going in, uh, when I was in uh, elementary, I'm, I don't know a writing process yet. So my mind is only training to be as well as it can be just off the basis of freestyling. Um, so that's really how, how I got into that. And then in New York, freestyle is like a huge thing coming up. Like every cipher was like a freestyle. If you came in there and you said you was freestyling with a written rhyme, you almost would <laughs> So I made sure I had both, you know, so I was able to do both. And then just looking at the entertainment factor of it, the competitive nature of being an MC, I want to be the best in both. So I just want to be the best. So if it's freestyling, I'm going to be the best in that. If it's writing, I'm going to be the best in that. So it's just really the more so the competitive edge that got me there. So you can't name yourself. To this answer um but who has a freestyle that you really really enjoy 
Um, if we go like this off the top, like off the top of the head, freestyling would say juice. Juice is incredible. Mm. Um, cause juice, um, you can't tell. Right. It's like seamless. Like he'll rap and you don't know if it's written or it's freestyle. And he's able to incorporate everything going on. And I, I've seen him be able to, um, he can weave in and out. Yeah. So he can he can say a written rhyme, see you there, freestyle, put it all in together. And then in his mind, weave it seamlessly back into a written rhyme, like freestyle. And, and you won't, you can't tell it's seamless, you know? Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I would say uh, he's he's one of one of the best people I've seen do it. You know, um, you you had more. You wanted me to name more than one. Oh, no, you're fine. One's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's all good. And juice juice is a great analogy to you because like you both dope freestylers and you both have really good voices. You know, recorded. You know, on uh, you know on songs. Uh, so something else you talk about in this first chapter, and you talk about it a few times, about your family. And you write, while on a mission to share with the world, you risk depriving your family. And without their support, I wouldn't be Wordsworth. You talk about having to trade off some things, you know, trade off moments that you missed because you were touring or whatever. Um, it, how did you find that, that balance of being a family man and then also being, you know, this, this artist? Well, you know, I would say that I found the balance more so um, later on, kind of mm -hmm. in, in their formative years. Um, as they were like growing up elementary, middle schoolish, I was more on the road. So mm -hmm. it was like being a father from the road and coming home and being home for a couple of months. I'm catching up on what's going on. I'm, right. My wife then held it down. I'm trying yep, to figure yep. out what's happening here and there. Um, so. Uh, and then I miss birthdays. I'm overseas. You know, it's I'm, I'm, the time difference is so far ahead. So I'm up here calling hours while everybody sleep. It just it just really wasn't um the best thing at that time. So I would say more so I became a, a better father, able to balance it. Um, in my last five or six years during their formative years, like mm. middle school. High school. I've been I've been here for all of that. I've been <laughs> I've been home for all of that, you know. So um, a lot of the elementary time is the grind, right? Because right. every time we're out there on the road, we're thinking this show, this this feature, this album is the one. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just the artist mentality. You think right. everything you do is the one opportunity that's gonna save everything financially, right. family, and all of that. So I did a lot of years of thinking it's the one. Then mm -hmm. once I finally was like, you know, dedicated myself to doing the education thing and everything like that, I've been home with the kids and everything through, like I said, middle school and high school is very important to be there. Super. Yeah. Is that why you got the, the gig as a teacher? Well, I got the gig as a teacher because my youngest was failing. Um, so, but she was doing well. And then she started failing. Mm. And so I said, let me go figure it out. So I go up there and it's a substitute teacher. And he tells me he's a veterinarian. He really, he really don't know what he's doing. That's exactly what he told me. Wow. So I'm livid. I go downstairs to the, to the principal and I wait like an hour. And, and I go in there and I'm like, 
this dude up here telling me this and you got this and that. And she told me there's no adequate substitute teachers right now. So long story short, I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to go down there and become a sub for my daughter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So wow. um, I start filling out the paperwork. I get everything into action with it. Um, then I got my daughter removed from that class and put her with a permanent teacher for the year. And I would, she was crying because she wasn't with her friends no more. Mm. So I would just go up there every day with McDonald's and have lunch with her and try to, you know, keep her happy. Yeah. And um, so then I, I do the paperwork. I go down to the district. I'm dropping the paperwork off. I'm turning around about to leave. This white lady comes from behind the desk and she says, what is that for? And I said, it's for a substitute. She said, you don't need to be a substitute. She said, you need to be a, a full-time teacher because there's a lot of young black males that need you. Mm. <laughs> and I said, all right, cool. What do I gotta do? That was it. That was, wow. that, was, that was the biggest question I've ever been asked in my life. And it was no thinking about it like that. It was like, yo, you know, all the, pretty much your generation and your race needs you right now to help these kids. And I thought about it for like, I would say maybe two seconds. And I was like, all right, you know, like, all wow. right. And so then, um, you know, cause I felt like if I said no, anything that happens is my fault too. A lot of that is my fault mm -hmm. because I was offered the opportunity to kind of fix a lot of this. Right. And I just was like, I'm good on that. Nah, that would have been terrible. So that right there, that day changed my life, you know? And then, um, from then on, I was, I was teaching, and then I didn't I didn't do my daughter's school because people asked, "Did you go back?" To, I didn't go back to my daughter's school because I had got her into a permanent class with a teacher okay. I was in year, um, and then I started teaching in middle school. And how old was your daughter at the time? Wow, what is that? What grade? What is that? That's like fifth grade. Fifth grade. So, so she was doing poorly in school. You went to the school and decided, you know what? I'll just teach my daughter at the school. Yeah, I'll be the sub. Yeah, I'll be the sub. That's so dope. Sub don't care. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll just be the sub. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I was I was home at that time from touring. And at that time, it was just more, it's just more important. Like, whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be, let me be the sub. So you so you go, you do what you have to do uh, to get whatever it is, certified or whatever. And you start teaching. What do you teach now? You don't get, uh, yeah, yeah. I got certified. It, take, it takes a while to get certified, but. Um, I teach TV production, mm -hmm. film production, and music production now. That's dope. And what, what grade level? Six, seven, and eight. All together, mixed in class together. It's, it's crazy sometimes, like as far as seeing sixth graders with bars and sixth grade <laughs> and eighth graders with bars and then sixth graders and eighth graders writing songs together. It's it's incredible, man. It's incredible. It's incredible. Engineering, one person engineering, the other one, and helping mm -hmm. them. As soon as they come to class, everybody's like, can I engineer today? Yeah. I want I want you to engineer. I want you to do what, whatever you want to do is what right. I do. I'm not coming in here giving you no demands. What do you want to do? And then we go from there. If you mm -hmm. don't have something you want to do, then I'll find out what you're into. And let's figure right. it out. But you know, overall, it's like I like when kids come in; they know what they kind of want to do. And I'm just gonna—I just want to be a guy, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's dope. Do they know? Like, do they know Wordsworth? Do yeah. they know your your material? The kids know me because 
they uh, they Google every teacher. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They tell they told me stuff about teachers I ain't know. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. <laughs> so they Google every teacher. They do it on their own. And is there? Yeah. Okay. No, I was there, saying, my picture comes up of me as a rapper. You know. So then they go from there. Are there songs or albums that they they really like? What do they or what do they think about your music? Oh, they just say, Mister. They just tell you, Mister. I heard your music. <laughs> and they don't really say hey, hey they just go i heard your music i heard your music yeah because they can't believe that i have music out until they right. you know hear it or they see a video um but then they're more in tune with me because the cartoon stuff i've done that's when they're oh like, that's, that's when right. they're like oh snap oh snap cartoons because I have stuff that's current that they can just go watch on netflix and see me as a cartoon and then i'm in the classroom so what, it was were, a lot of stuff like that. Were you, were you part of the oh, Dino Kids? Dino Five, yeah, Dino Five CD. Yeah, okay, that's right. I forgot all about that. That was you and Prince Paul was behind that, right? Paul produced it. It's me, Ladybug, Mac, Charlie Tuna, and Scratch. Yes. Whatever happened to that? I, I thought that was such a great concept. It's a one-off thing, man. The just guy that came with the idea, he just never really took it further than that. Uh, I think it took us a week to write that album and wow. put it together as far as just like we all got flown to New York and we all were just like writing and putting it wow. together. So yeah, so that's that's how the kids know me from the cartoon stuff. Mm -hmm. Spon Spongebob, Dexter's, Dexter's Hip Hop Laboratory. Yep, yep. And then um, currently if you go on um, Peabody and Sherman, on Netflix, I'm on there, me and Prince Paul, um, <laughs> season one, episode two, you see me rapping. So let's linger here for a minute because I'm fascinated by Prince Paul. How well do you know Prince Paul? Uh, I would say pretty well. I've known Paul for, man, I've known Paul for a long time now, man. I, I can't even probably count the years right now, but I was on the, the record with MF Doom and Chub Rock, and that was really, mm. really kind of uh, I would say got to know each other. You know what I'm saying? When he had the um, projects he was working on, we have the same publishing administrator too, Michelle. So okay. when, he, when he needed somebody to do, um, he already had these deals done for the SpongeBob and all the cartoon stuff. Me rapping on it was just an idea. He was like, hey, you want to rap on it and see if they like it? And it, it worked several times. So it built, <laughs> it built a rapport for me to come, you know, Long Island and work together on stuff like that. So, um, yeah, then then that's how I built, man, from really being featured on a project and then so on and so forth. He seems like a fun guy. Man, let me tell you, Paul is so down to earth, man. Like, <laughs> I, will, I will call Paul for life advice. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, I won't just call for music stuff. Mm -hmm. I will call him just on the basis of, if, hey, what do you think about this or that and this and that, you know what I'm saying? Like I went to Paul's house and then I seen his backyard and I, my my house backyard was, it's like his backyard. No, huh. I was so inspired by it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what's, what's his backyard like? It's just, I mean, this was a big backyard <laughs> with a basketball hoop there. And it, but it was, it was like, I, I, I didn't have a house, you know what I'm saying at that time. Yeah. So right. it was like, wow, okay, I see what this, I see what you can get from doing this. Yeah. And 
it inspired me to get a house with a big backyard because you know what I'm saying? And then um so I tell them that all the time though. I've told them that, like, yo, yeah, I saw your yard, I was like, oh, all right, I need to get a <laughs> but that's that's kind of stuff that influences you. Yeah. He's in he's been in the business so long, I'm not influenced by certain things that I'm influenced by because he showed me uh the mature things you should have as an artist. Mm. You know, him, Ace, they showed me the mature things of owning yeah. stuff and ownership. So who you're around and who you're groomed by um, matters, man. It matters, yeah. matters tremendously. Well, he's such a fascinating figure to me because, I mean, he from Stetsasonic to Grave Diggers, yep. to Cartoons, yep. Dino 5, to like just some really dope boom bap stuff. Chris, like Chris Rock, Chris Rock albums. It's just, it's amazing to me. Like, he's oh, such Malcolm a phenomenal. Malcolm X documentary on Netflix. Oh, him and uh, Don, what, what's the guy's name? Newkirk? Sorry, Don. They scored that. Dude, that, that came out on the record label of a childhood friend of mine. Not that we were real close, but grew up in the same city. Dope. Anyway, yeah, yeah Prince Paul is a dope dude. Uh, love I mean, his work. That's why I probably can call him about life, because... He has a perspective of all different types of things. He's not going to think from one avenue, right? If you look at the music, it's reflective. He doesn't think from one avenue. He thinks from right. all over the all over the case. You know, how about when I when I went to um, the University of Miami and got my my master's right in music business? They have him a video of him talking about sampling. So oh, I'm up here watching this video like this is so funny. Like I'm in class. <laughs> watching my friend teach about certain things you know so that was in the course of like contracts and stuff like that oh wow that was kind of ill for me to be like this is so wild like I'm, I'm watching him in this you know they use his video for this yeah that's cool that's cool well speaking of producers um you talk about how you you're always getting people reaching out to you saying hey you know are you looking for beats and yeah. you're always accepting beats listening to beats you have you ever uh, received some beats from a producer and thought, okay, cool, and then turned them down, and then that producer went on to like blow up, and you thought, oh shoot, <laughs> I should have grabbed some of those. Nah, you know, you know, I can tell you maybe an opposite story. I got oh, a, no. I got a CD. Opposite story of the person blew up, but I, I recognized the talent. Mm, okay. Frequency. We wound up doing like Snoop Dogg stuff and he, mm -hmm. used with, he, he was like Slaughterhouse DJ and all that. I got his first CD from, I was at Rocksteady. I had the CD. I played it. Immediately I was like, this dude is phenomenal. He wound up doing a couple tracks on Mirror Music and he always tells the story. Uh, that's right. He always tells the story. I'm the first person I bought a beat from him. Really? Yeah, I'm the first person that bought a beat from him. How much was it? Do you remember? I was, it was ballpark. It was a couple of hundred dollars. Dollars. Yeah, I had a budget. I, I had a budget then too. So it was well, dope. I mean, I, I wonder what it was after he went on to, you know, produce for some of these other artists. Yeah, now he, now he did produce several joints for Snoop and other people, but you know, that was dope. Like that, I was able to yeah. recognize that. Right? He had this yeah. And I was like, oh, this dude is phenomenal. So, um, but I've never had the opposite of like, nah, this is not no good. And then <laughs> just blow up, you know? Cause I, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at, at, at acknowledging 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying like stuff like that. People send yeah. me, and a lot of recently I've been getting beats like that. Like people have asked me to be honest. What do mm-hmm. I like about it? What I don't? And I just tell them the honest opinion about yeah. it. Then um, they actually respect it and they move on. Yeah. From it. You know, I mean, you got to have thick skin to, to be in music. Yeah, you do. Uh, you know, Master Ace told a story. I forget what interview it was, but he tells a story of uh, Marco Polo sending him beats and how the, the drums really, you know, stood out to him that Marco Polo was really good at the drums. Is there something you listen for uh, whenever you receive beats, listen to beats? I listen to see if the beat will work in both worlds. So can this beat work in a, maybe in a boom bapish, but more modern boom bap? I'll I tell you my, my main thing. When I'm doing an album, I want to make joints that I can play with my, with my wife around. Mm. If I can't play with my wife around, I don't really like, like the songs, you know? <laughs> because she's the average so, consumer, right? right. The average consumer. So if it's, she ain't trying to hear no, no, no battle rhymes. It's, it's a rap, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not even, I, I make joints that if it's storytelling, she can hear it and understand it. Mm-hmm. I, I try to keep it as real as that. Can the average person understand what I'm talking about? Uh, did, to that end, did you get a pretty good response on champion sounds in that regards? Yeah, yeah, man. People, people dug that. I think that was my best produced album. Quincy I think so. UK, yep. best produced album. I think best sonically as far as mixed mm-hmm. albums that I've had as well because Quincy Tones in his own right is well known. He's done stuff with Fashawn. He did the Ghost of Christopher Wallace, that Jay Electronic okay. video on it. I mean, his discography is enormous. And then he had a lot of live instrumentation on it. Mm. A lot of live instruments on there. He had a choir singing on there. I mean, yeah. he went all out for putting that album together. So um, definitely, you know, I would say that's, that's, my, um, that's my favorite produced album, you know, mm. like that. What- I love that album. And, and then you have um, Pearl Gates on there singing some, which yeah. makes it even more. Um, when, I, when I heard the album, I immediately thought of um, Jay-Z's Blueprint. Because that, Jay-Z's Blueprint album to me is like the pinnacle of like both backpackers and just like anyone that likes music. Be like, oh, this is dope. And, and, I, and I feel like Champion Sound did that really well. So you said, Champion Sound is your favorite produced album. What's your favorite, you know, lyrical or storytelling album? Um, if I had of your catalog of my, of my stuff. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite storytelling album. Um, I would probably say it may have to be Mirror Music, man. Mm. You know, like I mean, that's the 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 essence of what started it all. And I yep. did a lot of like my favorite song on there is "Be a Man." Mm. Um, one day. I think the one day story is like the way I wrote it about the sound effects is actually the clock. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, the, the, the gate going up is 845. You know what I'm saying? Like right. the, way, the way people, um, you know, live their life is by, by sounds and things going on and stuff like that in the neighborhood. Um, but it has a lot of songs on there that, that are just like story, you know, so I would I would say that that's probably my favorite one as far as uh, storytelling. Um, and then the other solo albums, I like them, man, for different reasons. There's different producers, right? So yeah, they're all dope. 
And it has a lot of songs. I think that's your longest album too, Mirror Music. Yep. And I'm mistaken. Because it was a reason for that, because I was gonna make it shorter and I was like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna come out again. So let me put this on. <laughs> no, you know, it's been a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they dropped the album, they don't come yes. back out for like another five years, six years, right. whatever. That kind of was my my situation. Luckily, I was doing EMC in between the next solo. Yeah. But, but overall, it'd be a wrap sometimes for dudes and you know, putting out stuff. So I was like, I ain't gonna play that game. I'm gonna throw it all out there. If it's fire, everybody like it, it's gonna ride out. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It wound up getting the XL and double XL too. So I mean, I think it, I think it was like well received and people understood. And they mentioned the fact that I was able to show the transition and skills. You know? Yeah, yeah. That means a lot to me. Yeah, it's a it's a dope album. I know Elementary likes the album. Elementary, you have any thoughts on on uh, mirror music? If you're still with us. I'm still with y'all. It's a dope, dope, dope album. Thank you. Yeah, what, what uh, elementary, I'm curious to know, like, what is it about that album that stood out to you? I always, I always appreciated, uh, like you had mentioned, Word's ability, like his storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, he's got a sense of humor and his, his vocal tone was always dope. Like, I always yeah. thought his vocal tone was dope. I had a question in regards to your vocal tone. You know, Till had said the voice. So obviously Guroy said it's mostly the voice. And like hearing you speak, it, your vocal tone on record is a little bit different. It has that nasally kind of high-pitched sound. Yeah. Um, I want to know if that's something intentional. Um, is that like something where you were influenced with that that vocal tone and sound? Because your voice has always stood out to me as like the show stealer. All, even on like the Black Star record, I remember like, damn, that voice is so ill. You know? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, I'm gonna tell you, man, that it's all about depending on what I'm rapping on. Like my voice on 12 months is different than me rapping on on some of the other songs, you know. So I really I actually when I rap on the records, I try different different octaves of what I'm doing, you know. I'm trying to say maybe how this sound if I sound more if I project it more, and then sometimes I put that it's kind of low, low tone vibe to it. So sometimes I may sound like, you know, crazy. And then sometimes I'm just like kind of smoothed out with it, you know? So it all depends on the track for me. So like I said, if you listen to Be A Man, I'm straight talking, hit the play button, got a chance to say something. And then on right now, that's when I'm more like, ain't that, you know, I'm more hype. So it, it really varies based on the record for me. Cool, yeah. cool. thanks Elementary. Oh, go ahead. I just always thought, like, I remember hearing, like, like the Black Star album with him, his voice, and a couple of, like, Stretch of Bob, you know, freestyles, Eddie Adiel freestyles back in the day. And then I heard M's tone, and I was like, oh, that tone sounds so familiar. Just that, the high pitch. I was like, that's, that's that Wordsworth. That's that sound right there from words. It just sounded so similar. Like, you were the first one I heard that high pitch the high pitched tone. That was that was also that was also part of me being mad young too. So I listened back <laughs> to that and I'd be like, yo, I was mad young rhyming there too. Sometimes I still it still goes there depending on what it is. But for the most part, it's it's more it's more mature. You know what I'm saying? But you can still hear it in there. But I definitely yeah. be like, man, I, I look at that like, man, how old was I with that time? That's like 90s. I was like teens and my teens around in pretty much you know so I definitely was still trying to figure out how to tame my voice too because 
that was a whole nother thing. Like when I did the Mirror Music album, was like learning tones on certain beats. And I'm gonna tell you the real elementary was not being afraid to not rap like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I felt like every song, I was like, I, this song don't need that tone. This song needs this tone. And you got some people that just rhyme no matter what it is, they're gonna rhyme full throttle every joint you know i'm yeah. not doing that i'm not doing that so you're gonna hear songs when you know I, I tell people check out a song i got called the oldest the way i'm flowing on is nothing like no other flows i've ever done you know what i'm saying so you just gotta be i think as an artist you just gotta be self-aware i'm very self-aware of my situation mm. and stuff you know what i'm saying so me being self-aware i think it's what helped me be here this long it's because mm. I'm, I'm very honest if I'm like, nah, that's terrible. <laughs> you know, I'll mean? like, you know, be like, that's fire right there. That's gonna be dope. You know, wow, this flow here is crazy. It's different. And you have to throw it out there and let people absorb it, you know? And I think a lot of people sometimes are worried about people saying, oh, it don't sound like what." I don't really care about a lot of that. I'll be real with you. I, I just do what I feel I think sounds dope. And if you don't open those doors for yourself, style-wise, you're going to stay in a box. You know? So you got to just yep. do, do every and anything that you think is dope. As long as you feel this hot, ride with it. That's dope. That's dope. That is dope. Very dope. So the joint test of time. Yeah. Um, you talk about communication. Talk about this, you paint this picture of a couple aging. They used to, um, every day to continue learning about each other. Communication is what kept the union uh, complete. And as I was thinking about communication, like you you do an excellent job of communicating, you know, through your music. Uh, for a little personal question, how do you do with communication like in, in your personal life? Do you think it's as good as on wax or? <laughs> We be working on it all the time, because <laughs> I'm 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 super inquisitive by nature. Mm -hmm. you know, my my wife, she's more cut and dry. Like once it's done, it's done. Me, mm -hmm. I'm probably more probing, which is probably why it goes with me teaching because and with my writing because right. I'm I'm inquiring to get the best uh, details to give to the listener. So I, I'm very so. We, we communicate, we, we're well as far as like discussing like, you know, whatever business and family and stuff like that. We can discuss it and stuff like that. And we still laugh all the time because, you know, I'm a silly person. So mm -hmm. it works out a lot. Um, but of course, it's always like communication is always being worked on. I think it's always going to be worked on in a relationship. And, you know, that's, that's, that's cool. I'm yeah. cool with that. Like, I know, I know I'm the, I need to know everything in particulars and she's more just straight to the point. This is what it is. And then when I'm asking more questions, she's kind of like done with it already. <laughs> but, but that's just probably my nature because sure. I like to be thorough with, with, yeah. but it's, that's an ongoing process, but it's well enough that we've been together this long. We've been together for like, 20 some years, you know what I'm saying? So it's fine. So so speaking of communication, there's another um, song, Fingers Up, F-U, Fingers Up. And in the book you talk about like 
the challenge of communicating to some of the friends that suffer from depression. Yeah. And have you learned, like, have you learned through the years things not to say or ways to approach, you know, folks that have depression in a way that's a little more healthy for you? I think really for me, it's more so letting them know I'm going to help you. Mm. You know, that's really my thing is, so what's going on, right? Once you tell me this is what's going on, then I have to figure out how, how I can assist you. That's really what I've been on about it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Talking to my friends and stuff like that, just letting them know I'm there. Um, one of the big things is phone calls. Cause everybody's so text out today that mm -hmm. somebody could be depressed and you texting them. What, how you right. get down to what's going on with them through the texting? I don't get that. Um, I'm, I'm very big on the phone calls, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I would even say like, you know, maybe some of the support that I got why it's like that to an extent is a lot of the people that have, have bought my, my books and stuff like that. I've probably recently talked to them, man, because I find it like you need to need to get that phone call in because text messaging, I think, um, would add to that depression. You know, if you mm. text, like, how do you get a full thorough answer through text? Yeah. I, mean, I think I say that in the book too. Like you can't read a body language through that. I mean, like, come right. on. Yeah. yeah. What's going on? I'm fine. Right. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm just here watching TV. I don't know. I'm about to go to sleep. You don't know right. what's going on. At least yeah. through the phone, you can detect or talk <laughs> and ask questions and, you know, offer help. So that's kind of my approach is really just about calling and trying to offer help. You, you also talk, you know, it's not depression, but there's another song. I forget where it was. I'm trying to look through the book to find it. You talk about... Um, characters in your song, you know, slashing their wrists. Um, do you remember what song that is? I don't know. Sorry, I'll, I'll find it here in a minute. Um, Cause you, you got pretty, um, pretty vivid in your storytelling. Like, man, I wanna ask you about that. We'll come back to it if I can find it. Okay. Um, you also on the song, Do Good with one of my favorite artists, Charlie Tuna. Yeah, Don't yeah. Um, and is that your wife on the song? That's her doing the hook, yes. Ah, okay. That's dope. She's she, dope. Now, does she do songs outside of... Yeah, she has her own album out and stuff like that. She does her right own... On. She's also on the Peabody and Sherman song. Okay. She, she's on my Mirror Music album, 12 Months. She's singing in the background. Oh, she, nice. Yeah, so, she, you know, she makes her guest appearances here and there and stuff like that. But she, has, she has her own project and stuff. Yep. Add a needle. Right. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, but you talk about um that you're always willing to share advice, you know, yeah. with other artists. Is there a, a you know a couple pieces of advice that you could share with you know um younger art and not just younger artists, but artists that are kind of getting into it, you know, recently? Yeah, be organized. Mm. You know, um get your your BMI, your CSAC or your ASCAP you know, while you're doing recording, you know, before you drop it, because like you put music out, they don't know who to pay. They don't, they can't even find you, you know? So I would say, get your PRO together, your performing rights organization stuff together. I would say definitely be organized. Here's one thing I, I do all the time. Every album I start, I have a folder on my desktop. So right now, if you were to look at my last couple of albums, the, the folders on here and inside that folder, from when I start doing the album, I start getting everybody's publishing information and name. 
Because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to find you later when the album coming out and hustling. Right. I'm not doing none of that. Um, I also established the splits early on when I talk okay. to people. I call producers. I don't text producers. I'll get on the phone and call a producer. So right. that's another thing. I like to be straight up with, with all my business, you know, about, about how it's going to go, what it is. And then once I'm finished with the album, I have the document there. The document is easier for it to be uploaded. And, you know, my publishing administrator, she could add everything in. She has all the splits. So then when the royalties are coming in and people getting paid or if something gets pitched and get uh, put on TV, she knows who needs to be called, who, who needs not to be called, you know? So you gotta be very organized. So in that same folder, I have a one sheet. I have bios of, of me and the producer. Um, in that same folder, I have the track list. I have, um, I may even have all the rhymes because if you get a placement on TV, they sometimes want the lyrics, so you got to have them ready. If you get a placement on TV, sometimes the answer is in 45 minutes. Sometimes they oh, need wow. 45 minutes. Sometimes you got a day. Sometimes it's like 45 minutes. So I, I give over that right to her that she can do that. Then I have to negotiate with all the producers that they need to send me email verifications that it's okay, that if she can negotiate it, is it okay? So yeah. it's a lot of being organized is super key. And that starts with that first PRO and then start a document. This song, who's on this song? What's their real name? What's their company? Then you can put the splits next to it. Next song. So, so something that people have asked me about, and I've often asked people, and I, I still don't really know for sure at a certain level. What do you know about what producers have to do when they sample? And what you have to do is the, do you have to worry about that as the, the, I mean, the it writer? All depends on, it depends. Some people, you know, are getting these sample packs and what you can clear um, yeah. easily, right? A lot of them, the loops and stuff are pretty much already cleared through the company. They're like, okay, these are free samples and stuff like that. And right. then some records, you take, some people take chances on them yeah. and you see where it goes with that. Um, I mean, you've seen like, uh, was it? Not Little Nas X. I don't think it was that particular. It might have been that record, but a couple of records with big artists, they drop them and then they deal with it later. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So sometimes that's that's what it is too. But okay. you know, it, it it's a case by case situation. I typically have been doing a lot of songs. This most recent project, one of these most recent projects that I'm working on now with Kels with the Heat is is no samples on on a lot of that, right? Oh. And I've been actually trying to do more songs with no samples because if I do more songs with no samples, I can pitch them for TV. Mm, right. Placement. So um, shout out to my man, Sticks Bones. Me and him have a song that's in the movie St. Judy on Stars right now. Oh, dope. Yeah, so you, it's great. at the end. As soon as, as soon as she hangs up the phone, you hear me rapping. Oh, so, that's, that's ill. So that that is how... Um, some of the organization stuff I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I have songs that will never be heard on an album that I recorded because I recorded them based for TV. Hmm. So a whole nother mindset that I have. So I got yeah. songs that just I, I write and that I think will fit this movie or fit this right. TV, but it will never represent what I think represents my brand of hip hop performing wise. Right, sure, that makes sense. So there's one, one more thing I wanted to ask you about in the book. Probably what I found maybe the most fascinating 
It's um the chapter over the song. Let's see what song is this. Hate. The yeah. song Hate. Yeah, that's real. And you said something I, I thought was really uh, interesting. You said storytellers are revered in the community, especially those that can discuss places you've never been. In verse two, Michael having a vehicle was perceived as a threat of having new stories that would garner attention. And attention can stir up emotions that are transferred into hate. It was, I found it interesting that you, you, you kind of put that, this idea of people getting upset and jealous and all these extreme emotions that produce hate and you put it through the lens of storytelling. Yeah, if you're not, man, everybody knows, you know, it, you don't even gotta be in the hood, just community, right? Any place, yo, I just came back from Jamaica, it was crazy. <laughs> like, like even if other people are down a block and they see you, your hand gestures, Yo, what's like? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you need to go. Mm -hmm. Somebody come up, what y'all talking about? I just came from Jamaica. Jamaica? Yo, it's crazy. And then it's that attention that people see that you have some new information about somewhere that may cause other people to lose attention in them mm. because they don't have that same experience. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, it's it's a it's a jealous thing because in in a lot of the hoods and community it's all about being the flyest and the most on top. So it could be sneakers. If I got sneakers, everybody be like, oh, what are those? That that it's attention, right? So whatever way you can go on the attention is big. And when you start doing trips and you go on places, it almost shows a sign of maturity too. Like I've been here and there. You might be sixteen, but if you're traveling, sixteen. You know, you're starting to look a little more mature to women in a way, like, you know, right. so um, being a storyteller is a big deal, man. It's yeah. a big deal, you know what I'm saying? Even if, I guess, if you go back in times of history, I think they said they used to have storytellers come to the king and, you know what I'm saying? Like, things like that, is, it's a big deal, man, in the, in the neighborhood, man. Anybody, any neighborhood you go to is always going to be somebody that got extravagant, crazy stories. <laughs> And everybody is hooked on to those stories. Yeah. And they're not experiencing. Do you think, how do you think social media has affected stories in our everyday lives? Um, it, or has it, it really? It has, it has affected the stories on the basis of people don't experience, people that aren't part of the experience no more. They're part of the bragging of what somebody else's experience is. Mm. right it's not like yo we, we need to go to canada you know it was crazy it's like yo we need to go to canada they just had it on this ig it looks crazy out there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right you know what i'm saying like yeah transfers to this is here as opposed to you going there and coming back with it right so it just yes. everybody points at stuff like that um, that's one of the other things in the book I talk about getting a passport, right? Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? If you get a license, yo, I'm gonna get this car. If you get a passport, you're gonna, you're gonna listen differently. You're gonna be like, I got a passport. So if I just come walking in the room, like, yo, next week I'm thinking about going, I'm thinking about going to Brazil. You're gonna be like, yo, that's crazy. I just got my passport. When you going? <laughs> yeah. See? I like. I really like that though. I, I I didn't tell my wife yet, but I was about to tell her. Yo, we we should get passports just to be ready. 
You know, yeah, you get passports, you're going to find somewhere to go. Right. Passports, when are we going to use them? Now right. the conversation is started. Without the passport, yeah. there's no conversation at all about it. It's more just living life. And you like, we figure that out and get to that. But once you got that passport, man, you're going to be hearing every trip in the world. It's like a vocabulary word that you never really would use. You would use like that until you mm-hmm. hear somebody tell you, you'd be like, oh, I, I know what that means. Okay. And then next thing you know, you watch the TV. That word, they using that word all of a sudden so much. Right. Oh, they've been using it. You just didn't know what the word was. Right, right. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So all of these words we've been talking about are from What Words Are Worth, Volume 1, New Beginning. Uh, if you don't have this book yet, it's on Amazon. Just a very simple search on Amazon. It'll bring it up because it is number nine. So make sure if you don't have it yet, go to Amazon, uh, get it today. Uh, And then while you're on there, you can also get this. I saw this was still on Amazon, too. Um, That's the album that gets on with it. Get the album, listen to the album, read the book. They go together. Uh, It's a great it's a great combo. So what I'd like to do now is I want to show you some albums, some album covers, tell you the titles. And I want you to give me the first word. That comes to your mind and then if we need to linger and talk about the album we can okay, I'm cool. I'm cool. all right so first one illmatic by nas man that that is people say it sometimes i sound like nas which for me is a good compliment yeah because it made me realize how much you could say in a bar mm. nas is nas is that first person that i really heard when he started rhyming, like fake thug, no love, you get slug. Like it's like yeah. three different ideas compiled into one bar. It's almost like yeah. so. Um, it's that's that's like a perfect album, and yeah. and 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 to think that he wrote that at like sixteen. I know that is it's crazy. crazy. Uh, kid sixteen writing like that. So when I see like kids now sixteen years old, I'm like, man. You know, the stuff they're thinking about, I'm like, this guy was writing some of the best lyrics ever written in the world at 16. So that album, that album inspires me a lot as far as uh, the bar to, to keep. Yeah. So my bar is set there as far as being competitive. Did you ever read the book? Uh, the I think it's called The Elmatic Reader. By Michael Eric Dyson? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read that book. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I wrote my book mm-hmm. is because the fact that some of these books are being written by other people's interpretation, yeah, right? What they think the artist is saying, and my my process with it was more so like I want to explain what I'm saying. I don't want yeah. to speculate, right? Because even to this day, in classes, they say, "What do you think Shakespeare meant by this?" Right? So, you know. You can't, you'll never know what he meant by that. We right. can't ask, can't ask Big and Pop what they meant. You can't ask a lot of artists from other genres that we love that have gone what they right. mean truly. So um, I know about that book. And, that, and then I think he did something about Jay-Z too. But Probably. Like, overall for me, that that's one of the things why I wrote the book too. I was like, nah, I want everybody to hear it from me. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. All right. Oh, can you see that? The Love Movement. Oh, yeah, I see by it. By Tribe Called Quest. Yep. One oh. word. I would say, um, 
beginning, beginning for me. Beginning. Like, yeah. Like, because it put me into a mainstream audience. Yeah. So like being on that project, that's like a, a hall of fame group right there. You know what I mean? Like that. So to be on that project, you know, I got a gold plaque from that project based on that, you know? That's dope. So that project is the beginning of, of me. And then that's when a lot of people heard of me. And then years later, I'm on the show. But that possibly was one of the seeds that kept the name going. Because some people mm-hmm. would come to, uh, when we did Lyricist Lounge tour, some people would come to the show based on a TV show. But then a lot of people would come to the show based on, they heard me on Tribe. Tribe, yeah. Right. So, um I would say that's the beginning of that mainstream audience for me. That's dope. I feel, I feel like that's such an underappreciated album in their catalog. Oh, I think yeah, it's yeah, yeah. such a good album. All right. Another joint. I think this album I'm going to show you actually came out the same day, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Right, so this is Black Star. Yeah. I live Kuali, most of. I would that say. Same day. Oh, man. That, that right there, I would say certified. Certified. Yeah, me rhyming on that certified how dope I was. Like to this day, most people, that album's a classic. So if you hear that album and you didn't know who I was, or that was probably the first time you heard me too, mm-hmm. that was like, oh, now nah, you can rhyme with the big boys. Like he gets busy with everybody, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? So I would say that helped certify me to be uh, a dope rapper. I'm gonna give you a combo now, because I, I think they kind of go together. And you're on both of these too, by the way. <laughs> so this is uh, Disposable Arts yeah. and uh, The Falling Season yeah. of Master Ace. Yeah, man. Um, disposable Arts, I would say um, global. Mm. Being on Disposable Arts, Ace brought us on tour. For, and then I went on tour with Ace for like 15 years after that straight. Based on rhyming on that album. You know That's dope. Um, and then I would say uh, a falling season, when I when I listened to that, man, because the song Goodbye, I listened to it recently. And I was, oh, yeah? Yeah, I did. Because I loved Ace's albums. And then I'd be so amped that I rhyme on them, but I, I don't sometimes remember the, I don't sometimes remember the rhyme that I said on that album. Right. But I know a lot of people have heard it. So I always like, man, what did I say on that that people heard? But um that album for me, I would say is um I would say it's like an honor to be on that album. Mm-hmm. And always be on the Ace album for me is always an honor. You know what I'm saying? So I would say that was definitely an honor to be on that. I feel like that album, The Falling Season, to me, has a similar feel production-wise as New Beginning. Mm. The Because the, Donnell Smokes has a way of like making the beat kind of almost like stutter a little bit, you know? The yeah, syncopation yeah. of the hi-hats and stuff, it just kind of has that kind of right. stutter feel to it, you know? Right. And I feel like the producer on, I forget his name, on um, The Falling Season. Kick. Kick. Um, yeah, Kick. Kick Beats. I feel like he has a similar type of feel. Yeah, I think they're all friends, if I'm right. Oh, dope. I, I don't know, but that's dope. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they're like, <laughs> I think they're all friends, if I'm right. I, I, I mean, I, I dealt with Kick separately from Donnell, but I think that's how this whole thing works out. Oh, dope. Right. Do you, do you have a favorite Master Ace album? 
it might have to be take a look around, man. We were just talking about that the other day. Mm -hmm. The first album, I got a lot of vivid memories of opening up the liner notes and sitting in front of my stereo on the floor yeah. and, and reading it and looking at all those pictures that he had on there. And then like, we were talking about it, man. He, you know, he got the joint when he does the symphony beat by himself. He got posting high on there. One of my favorite songs ever is Brooklyn Battles. Mm. Um, I might have to say that first one, man, because it's it's just I bought it without knowing him. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then I bought, then I bought Slaughterhouse after that too. I these, these are records I bought without knowing him, so there's no influence right, right. of him in with the with purchasing it. It was like I I, I loved what he did from the jump. And I and I had I had bought that stuff from there from the jump. So I would definitely have to say it's that take a look around, man. It's, that Brooklyn Battles is my joint. Yeah. I feel like for an MC that came out, you know, so long ago. Yeah. And has continued to put out consistently dope music. He's one of the best, you know, period. Hands down, man. Hands yeah, there's down. just like no debate. I mean and it's there's no and in some ways, he's better. Yeah. You know, like that. I love that first album. I, I agree that that might be his best one uh, in some aspects. But like the last album, Brooklyn Story, yeah. like my, my my favorite song though from him is um, F. What is it? F. Uh, oh, Y B I, Young Black Intelligent. That's my favorite. Uh. Yeah, that was on uh, Falling Season. I love that joint. That's my favorite song from him. When I heard it on on the road. I said, yo, this is the best song you ever did, yo. I said, so. <laughs> I said, this is the best song you ever did. He was like, the best song, man. I said, yo, now you know I done heard everything. You know, I'm your boy. <laughs> the best song you've ever done. Just the way that beat goes, the way yep. he's on it. Chuck D come in. Chuck D, it. yes. I mean, I I, what it's about. I mean, yep. Young Black Intelligent. Then and then, yo, that beat. Yeah. I mean, Yo, just the whole thing, man. I was like, yo, this is your, your best song. And then the live trumpets on that. Yep, yep. Come on, man. That that song is powerful. That song is powerful. Yeah, I've gotten goosebumps a few times on that joint. I love that song. All right, this next album uh, went under the radar. I, I don't know if it was released. It was re-released. I'm curious to know if you if you've heard it and sat with it. It's re-released by the Juggernauts. Um, Do you know this album? I know that album, man. I know that album. I don't know. Uh, my heart like that, but I know that album because uh, Breeze's sister, Queen Heroin, Heroin, mm -hmm. right? I went to college with her before I knew them. Oh, really? <laughs> we went to college together, yes. Yeah. So that's how um, I got to know them because I, me and her are the same age. So that's her older brother. So I kind of didn't know, wasn't familiar with them like that. So yeah. I, I learned about them kind of later. You know, off the basis of that, but that's that's kind of crazy, man. I went to college with with their sister. That is why I feel like Breeze has like one of the illest voices ever. Definitely, I, definitely. So you know, Breeze is one of the. He actually helped me with teaching when I first started teaching. Oh, really? Yeah, I called him about how to do lesson plans. That's so. Is he a teacher too? Yeah, he's been yeah. teaching for like maybe twenty, close to twenty years. Oh wow! Do you know what he teaches? Um, I'm not sure what he teaches. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I, thought, I thought English, I thought English or computer. I think it's English he teaches, to be honest with you. 
I think yeah, is what he said. High school. Man, uh, both of them are teachers, him and his sister. And when I when I first started teaching, I spoke to him. I was like, "Yo, <laughs> that's dope." Well, this album, I think it. I want to say it came out in '96. Doesn't it have that song on it? Is that blue? Blue sky. Clear blue skies. Clear blue skies. Blue skies. Like, blue skies. That's one of the best storytelling, Jordan. That was very, that was so very groundbreaking at that time. Yeah, yeah man. Yes, it is. It, it's it's relevant today too about yeah, uh, family yeah. structure. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Um, I think still you had asked a question one time if you were going to go into a school and play a storytelling song for for children about you know about something you know relevant, and I had mentioned that song because I think it's. A lot about family structure and mm-hmm. uh, the way children are children are raised um, amongst racism and things of that matter. So it's just a it's just a great story. I think you know uh, it's a great story. I think you know Breeze needs a book like that. Yes. Because oh, did, um, for this album for yeah, sure. It's very he's so intricate with it and putting yeah. weaving so much into it that it would be impactful for that type of stuff with Breeze oh. too. No doubt about it. All right, last last album of the night. This is one at Dead or Alive. Cool G Rap and DJ Polo. That's like my favorite rapper right there, man. You know. Oh, Cool J Rap, really? Yeah, because oh. Cool G Rap, even at back then, if you listen to, I would probably say to this day, all the G Rap's rhymes have internal rhymes. Yeah. So he never right. gets to the end of the rhyme without rhyming in the middle. Yeah. So like. When I was younger, I would not write a rhyme without a rhyme in the middle, you know. Um, so that that level of him being able to do it on all these albums and so long of doing that, it made me realize how how ill he was with the writing. Yeah. And even back then, everybody knew he was like the best pen in the in the in the Juice Crew, but he just didn't have the best songs. And then it wasn't until like Ill Street Blues when he really started taking off with track masters around that time and stuff like that. But like overall, his rhyme game is phenomenal. So he's on the album on Champion Sound. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but that's one of my biggest, I mean, that's crazy, right? Like he's one of my favorites and he's on the record. I got to get a chance to get on a record with him. But how about if I never met Gates, I would have never did a song with Cool G Rap. Oh, really? What was that connection? Gates did a hook for a G Rap record and, he, and G Rap paid him back by doing a verse on the record. So if That's I never so... met Gates, I would have never even did a song with Cool G Rap, my favorite rap. And how did you and Gates meet? Me and Gates met from another artist named Range the Messenger. Uh, and Range was an artist that was cool with Hezekiah, which is on the first single, first song on photo album. And then Range started putting together a group of artists and we did a song, we, the group is called The Idea. And we did a song called Reloaded actually that been on NCIS, uh, oh, Minds. Uh, it actually was on Power last season. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, gets, it, gets, it got hit like four times. Wow. So, so in that group that Range put together was Gates. That's awesome. Now, now, mind you, I meet Gates later on, not knowing I met Gates' sis- sister like 15 years before I knew Gates. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the world is crazy, man. Yeah, man. You Small know? world, as they say. Is there is there plans to make more music together? Yeah, we, we kind of started on something like that already. You know, we started. But, um, you know, it, we just got to get the right beats and stuff like that. But we started. 
So we definitely want to do more music together, man. Oh. I, mean, I think it came out to be super dope. Yeah, uh, it is. It's one of my favorite albums, you know. So I just want to keep up in the up in the ante with the albums and stuff like that. So what album can you speak on? What album might be next? The next one I think is gonna be me and Superstition. Okay. Uh, yeah. Man, we got we got some crazy stuff, man. We got some crazy stuff. Is, and is that a full length album? Yeah, yeah. We got like I got like ten records or more now, right now. Okay. Still. You know, but we we record like if we had new beat, we just do it. Yeah. Like, we don't have no particular time, right? Like we put an album out right now, we can't really do videos for it. Stuff right. like that. So it's like, yo, this beat's hot, let's just rhyme on it. And um that that project came together because we were finding ourselves being featured on a lot of other people's records together. So they would call him or and call me, and then we were like featured on it. he was like so he was kind of like man it's like mercenaries for hire to rhyme on people's stuff <laughs> so i was like i called them up and i was like yo why don't we, we should do a project together it was i think it started like towards the pandemic like so we've been doing mm -hmm. stuff like we've probably done a record almost like almost every week or every other week together that's dope every weekend yeah yeah is there anything any other projects or anything else you're working on that you want the people to know about um, I mean, I got the solo projects and stuff coming out. Um, really, uh, just supporting the book right now is yep. the big thing. Uh, I got a musical that I wrote, so you know, that'll be something down the line. But you know, I got, I got, I have like a, you know, I try to do objectives before I get to the goal, and I've mm -hmm. been very keen on that. I try to tell people that all the time. Just like my objective is to to do the book and then do the musical, you know what I'm saying? To get to the musical. So, and then after the musical, I plan on trying to get to the theaters and then go from so on and so forth, you know? Yeah. Um, the next thing is the musical. The musical is practically, it's pretty much written. I actually have eight of eight of the songs in my phone, like half oh, of wow. vocals and everything. Recorded? Recorded. Me oh, laying wow. vocals for people to audition, my wife uh -huh. down vocals for so people to audition. So um, I'm, I'm pretty much ahead of the game with that and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm it's in a good place. But you know, you know, doing the book helps to strategize some of the yeah. other people that would help. So, so for the musical, has Prince Paul been consulted in any way? You know it. <laughs> oh, that's dope. I got, I got somebody else though too. My boy Belief. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually uh, co-produced and wrote uh, See a Chandelier. Okay. He's a big time producer too. He actually did, um, he did a lot of records from me. He says Mirror Music actually. He was on- Oh wow, Mirror okay. And then he's also on the photo album. So he always gives me like some of my favorite records. That's he did, dope. He did uh, Red Light on the first album and then he did the oldest and some other stuff. But he gave me some joints too. So, uh, and then my boy Irv Ford gave me some stuff. So right now, the, the other half of it is kind of like, I spoke to Paul about the other day. So That's gotta, dope. Let's see when, what goes with that. I can't wait to see, can't <laughs> wait to see. I'm, 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 I'm amped, I'm, I'm amped on when people hear and see what it's about. Yeah. And when you hear it together, I'm excited because I, 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 I you know, it's like sitting here knowing what I wrote and how it sounds and 
you know, and, um, you know, everything I do, I wanted to have a purpose of affecting something. Yeah. But like, I think when people see it and they hear what the rhymes are and all that was going on, I think it's going to make people think differently. Similar to yeah. how, like the book, I think helps put people in a different frame of mind. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Before we get out of here, elementary, uh, thanks for joining and hanging out with us. Any any last questions or words you have? Yeah, I, I did have a couple questions. Yeah, maybe uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the first question I had was uh the, the track Beautiful with, with Master Ace. Um mm -hmm. you're on the hook on that. You say, you know, you you consistently sometimes write verses, um, and sometimes they don't get used, they get you know thrown out into the atmosphere, whatever. Um, the hook is so much a part of that song. Uh, it's a beautiful song. I listen to it at least, you know, once every, every couple of weeks. It just uh, makes me feel good, you know. Um, and I just want to know if if you wrote a verse for that song or, or how your involvement came along. Um, <laughs> well, you know, the original Beautiful, if you buy the original single, there's no hook. Huh. Yeah. And then, but for Ace album, Ace wanted a hook for the album version. So... He was like, yo, see if you come up with something for it. And then I came up with that hook. Um, but if you listen to the, the original Kool-Aid dropped a single, that's the producer yeah. from Croatia. That, Croatia, version, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Croatia. that original version of Beautiful, if I'm right, has no hook. And then, but Ace, Ace ain't going for that on the album. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he went, <laughs> it's going to be song driven. It got to be hook. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, man, uh, that was dope, man. That was dope. I, I, I really love it when Ace calls me to do hooks because he respects me making hooks. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, I, you know, so I, I always think that's dope that he can call me and feel comfortable enough for me to come up with hooks. Gates is another one. Hooks, you call Gates. Gates is phenomenal with hooks. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yes. He's phenomenal. Yeah. So. Um, it's good to have dudes in that group, in the group that understand song structure and the value of putting together songs and, yeah. books and doing that. Because I think that's what sets us apart with amongst our peers that have come up from back then. Uh, the hooks don't be, the hooks don't be well thought out. I just be real, you know, and, and then it affects the album. So that's why I think when you hear Ace album, it's thorough all the way through because those things are very much valued. You know what I'm saying? Mm, the story, yeah. The story of me with that, with Gates singing on. I mean, it's just, it's great. Fly Thoughts on the EMC album. You know, Strick was like, he sent it to Gates and Gates came back with that hook. That song with number one. That was like our first number one record. And, wow. and all that. But like, that stuff matters a lot, man. You know? Yeah. That's dope. And then that, the other question I had for you was, you're, you're so dope with storytelling. Um, I just wanted to know, like, there's so many, we talked about Clear Blue Skies or Stray Bullet or I Gave You Power. Like, what? there's so many great storytelling uh, songs in hip-hop. I just want to know what's, what's some of your favorite, favorite mm -hmm. songs from, from a storyteller's perspective. I would say Shootouts. Nah, Shootouts. Mm -hmm. Gowdy did. That's crazy. I might even say the second verse of... Uh, the intro, the message for Nas too. The second verse, I seen him coming. He was sitting asleep, dunking his sleep, sitting in the heat, heat bumping. You know what I mean? Um, he was talking how he ran the island in '89. You know, <laughs> rhymes is crazy. Um, so I would say that, of course, like Rick is in there. You know, mm -hmm. he he's in there. Um, G Rap, Ill Street Blues. Uh, yeah, the remix. 
No, no, on the run. On, on the, the run, run, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the run remix. I thought that was crazy. Um, those are some of my favorite storytelling songs right there. Um, and of course, uh, I got my boy Last Emperor when he did Secret Wars. Yeah, it's mm. classic. Jamal, so, my man Jamal is always ill with him. So, <laughs> if, if you get a chance, check out Hero, the song Hero I did on Our World Today. I do, I brought back that whole theme. I got mm. it, and then I got Last Emp to come back to come do it. Oh, dope. Oh, that's dope. That's yeah. dope. Yeah, Hero, check out that record, man. I'm up there. Um, what I say? Um, nobody's safe when the dark night's rising. You could quit looking for heroes dressed in disguises. The Hulk hooked on steroids. With Gambit, he in debt still. Weapon X, old Professor X for some X pills. Mystique and Magneto at Cerebro partying. Ended up arguing with Batman and Harley Quinn. Beef, beef, uh, ended up arguing with Batman and Harley Quinn. Beef with some set him up. Aquaman, they set him up for, oh. Iron Man, they set him up for Aquaman to, set, to wet him up. Um, oh man, I can't remember right now, but it's I'm right so I'm just rhyming like all of that, you know what I mean? Where can people find that? That's on Our World Today album, Dan Brown. It's a song called Hero, and the, the hook is uh, it has Hero, and I was like, man, when I came up with that, I said, I gotta find last and I had to, I found him. I said, yo, brother, you gotta get on this because I'm bringing back the theme, and um, and Amp is on that, Jamal's on that, Amp is on that, man. That's dope. That's I couldn't dope. do it without him. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that's dope, y'all. I, uh, I, I toured uh, Europe with him back, way back in the day. For, and he was like my favorite MC coming out of Philly. He was like my favorite MC. And he is so, so dope. Just such a good dude and so dope. You know? Super, super cool dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And then the, the last question I have for you is just um, in regards to um, a lot of Facebook posts about um, Malik B. Uh, from the roots and uh it's it's unfortunate sometimes where um you know like in in my circle Malik was always seen as like a, a prolific writer you know uh, we always embraced him in Philly like in my immediate circle um as an MC and then you don't see other people show respect to to the artist he was how gifted he was as a writer until somebody passes away yeah. and, I, and I think about artists such as yourself that that people don't know like that don't know but when the word gets out there, they'll, they'll remember of how, how dope of an MC you are. And I, I hate I hate that sometimes, you know what I mean? I don't know if you ever think about that, the legacy that you live, that maybe you won't you won't see the light until until possibly, you know, you find it a lot of time with artists until they're gone, you know? So not yeah. to be more, but I think I just, I just know what, what you thought or your thoughts on that. No, I, I think about that type of stuff. Um, the last project got a song called Eulogy on there, uh, but spelled Y-O-U, Eulogy, like that. Yeah. It's us, me, Gates, and, and Ace on there. Um, but that's, you know, that was for that record. But, like, I think about it more so, I'll be honest with you, I think about it more so as my business straight for my kids. So, like, all the stuff I do, you know, setting it up, like royalties and the book sales, it's really not for me at the end of the day, right? Like it's for me, of course I enjoy doing it, but like for them, when they're older, you know, it'll always be for them. So I look at it more like creating as much as I can so it could kind of like funnel down and they'll be straight. Yeah. So, you know, whatever money they making, but some extra stuff coming in. 
And then I also look at it like, um, you got to leave these hieroglyphics, right? Not everything's discovered the day of. So yeah. I look at it like, my book is a hieroglyphic. It'll be discovered. And when it's discovered, you know, lessons, like I said, with the passport and stuff like that will still be relevant probably. You know, stuff like um, the test of time, you know, when I say like stuff like uh, when she died, she still she still was so unselfish. She gave him her last breath. Mm. You know, like, I think, you know, ele elementary, I don't. I think everything's incremental, so I don't I don't try to think of what I'm doing is going to change the world tomorrow. I think if I was going to look at changing the world tomorrow, I think tomorrow is 10, 15 years from now for what my things may do. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I kind of look at it. Like, um, you know, I look at all of these things, the book, the book, the music, all of those are matchbooks. So everything you do is a matchbook. Everything he's doing is a matchbook, right? And down the line, it's going to be a kid that finds it and it's fall. Mm. So... That's yeah, it's a dope picture. I like it. That's really dope. You know, before we get out of here, uh, is there a preferred way you like people to follow you online? Uh, yeah, Instagram, Wordsworth, B K L Y N, and Twitter. I'll be on there just checking in, but nobody's really Twittering, like tweeting, tweeting, and stuff like that. But I'm on there because a lot of battle rappers are on there talking junk. So I like to see what they're talking about. And that's Wordsworth underscore EMC. And then I'm on Facebook. You know, uh, I'm on there as Wordsworth, but I'm also on there as my name, Vincent Wordsworth Johnson. So you can come on either way, you know, nothing crazy. I'll block you. And um, that's that's how I go, man. And if you got beats and stuff like that, email me like three or four, and then I go from there or something like that. Cool. I'm, I'm pretty accessible, man, if it, if it makes sense. Right on. Well, thank you for uh, spending time with us tonight and sharing yes. yourself. Really I appreciate it. Uh, if you have not bought the book yet, go get it. What Words Are Worth, uh, Volume 1, New Beginning. And make sure you come back next week. Next week, we are um, we don't have a guest actually next week, uh, but we have an album. I have it here somewhere that we're going to be discussing. Uh, Blue is actually on that album, New Beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. And have you heard his new album yet? Uh, Blue and Exile? Everybody been telling me about it and i've seen people posting about it, it is. i see all the albums man i see all albums i bought the recent thing i can tell you what i just bought though i buy stuff yeah what did you just buy i just bought uh enes let me borrow that beat freestyle album and he oh, rocked yeah. all these beats because he he's one of the illest to me with the bars uh the last thing i bought before that was the griselda album oh nice um, you know so I'll I'll hear that. My wife has the Apple Music, but like Dope. I, I typically buy stuff that is gonna make me um my wordplay. I love hearing words. Yeah. Like yeah. Ness to me is one of the best with the wordplay, um, so on and so forth that I mentioned before. But I buy stuff. I love Benny. I love Benny's Tom. dope. I love the wordplay. Yeah. You got some rhymes that make me go like, yo, that's crazy. I'm I'm gonna probably buy it and um check it out so that's dope blue is dope like that i mean you know i met blue i can tell you i met blue in germany we oh really doing the show i came in the room we were going on right after him came in the room and he's on stage rhyming and the first thing that i heard him say that was crazy he said 
I went to hell and back and came back with some hot shit that could melt the wax. I said, oh, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> I, said, I said, that's, that's kind of crazy. Went to hell and back and came back with stuff to melt the wax. I said, yo, that dude's nice. Yeah. Um, and then we was on the road and Aloe Black was out there and all yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Exile. I met both. That's how I met yeah. him and Exile at that same time. It was them two on the road together. And that's and we all had a show together out overseas, man. That's dope. Um, we toured, I think we was in Stockholm together, man, and stuff. Oh, so wow. Blue, you know, Blue is, is one of those dudes. He got that voice too and delivery. Yeah. Too, you know, he so. does have a great voice. So next Thursday night, you're invited back. Everyone's invited and welcome. We're going to discuss this album. It's a long album, double disc joint, um, a lot of great stuff on there. So we're just going to have a conversation. My man Neville's going to join us, um, a few others, and we're just going to talk about this album. And then two weeks from tonight, I'm super excited. We have Capital D from the All Natural Crew. He just put out an album produced by Panic of the Moment. And uh, we're very excited to have him on in two weeks. So make sure you all keep coming back and back. So Moment, man. Yeah. Wow. Legendary right there. Very legendary. Straight out of Chicago. So cool. Well, that does it for tonight. Once again, Wordsworth, thank you so much for being here. No really, really appreciate you. And we will, we will see you all next time. Peace, 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 peace.